When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. Not with me today, Akiva Wheels Maker. He's missing today. That's okay. He's done more episodes without me so far this season than I've done without him. So he can rest for one. Although it is too bad because this is a team, the second team so far uh, that we've covered this year out of six, where we have a really big disagreement. And it's a reverse of the Panthers episode from three days ago. This is one where I'm much higher than Akiva. And so I would have liked to have asked Akiva to explain why he's much lower than I am. Uh, this is also a team. Uh, it was tied uh, in our initial rankings with another team. We had the patrons vote on a tiebreaker and the other team was uh, voted better by 76% of the patrons. And so that's why the Tennessee Titans drop one spot, lose that tiebreaker uh, with us to talk about the Titans yet again, Brandon Hilliard. So Brandon, welcome back. Do you want to guess where we have the Titans cumulatively ranked this year? I mean, I want to say somewhere close to 20. That you, got <laughs> it, you, you got it on the nose. Um, I have them 17. Akiva has them 24. You know, the wild thing about uh, the Titans is I was sort of going back and looking over the nine years we've been doing this at all the cumulative rankings that we've had. The Titans are one of the, just three teams that they have the highest they have ever been in our rank in our preseason rankings in the 32 fans history, which uh, dates back to 2015 is 12. They've never been higher than 12. And that's crazy because they've, they've been, they've won, they've had a winning record six of the last seven years. Obviously the first year we did this uh, was, you know, the Mariota rookie year, they were coming off an awful season and they were bad that year as well. But then after that, it was nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven. And every single year we had them, you know, 12, 13, 14, something like that, which I guess makes sense for nine and 17. Um, And then even when they climbed up and actually, you know, got the one seed surprisingly in 2021, um, the next year, we uh, did not give them too much respect, although it makes sense because obviously last year they, they crashed and burned a little. The thing I think people forget now, uh, I mean, obviously you don't forget as a Titans fan, but but in the national uh, football world, I think people forget that last year the Titans were seven and three at one point. And one of those was a loss in Kansas City in overtime in a game Malik Willis started. Um, and so, you know, they yeah. looked headed to their seventh straight winning uh, winning season. And then, um, of course, they they never won <laughs> another game the rest of the year, um, including that seeming changing of the guard um, week 18 loss to the Jaguars for the division. And so how do you feel like or, you know, both you personally and also just Titans fans in general, like what's what's the feeling right now? It sort of feels like it's uh, it's like the, the last season of an era, possibly in Tennessee. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of bittersweet, right? Like you said, it's last season of an era. Uh, Derrick Henry's getting older. Tannehill has, I think, kind of taken us as far as he can. Um, and just seeing, you know, Titans Twitter and being a part of that is <laughs> kind of a, a dumpster fire. Takes are all over the board, right? Some people want Tannehill out now. Some people are fine with him, you know, starting one more year and you know, trying to push for, I don't, I don't know what we're pushing for at this point, one more division title. Um, I mean, everyone wants a Super Bowl, but I think, you know, division title is kind of best we can hope for. Um, so it, it's kind of all over the board. And I think this is kind of, you know, like you said, end of an era last year that we can really push. And then it's going to be, you know, is it Malik Willis or Will Levis? Uh, is, is that the future? So that's kind of what people are kind of arguing and <laughs> discussing in, in the Titans world. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I thought the Malik Willis experiment was officially over. Um, I mean, when you sign Josh Dobbs off of a practice squad in week 18 last year and then immediately start him in a must-win play-in game for the division, it, it seems to me that's a sign that Malik Willis is over. But now I'm hearing that he's ahead of Will Levis in the depth chart, which maybe doesn't mean that Malik Willis has a future, but it's certainly alarming about Will Levis. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the way that I've tried to conceptualize it is, you know, Will Levis is a rookie. The learning curve is going to be there. We kind of knew that he was a project, um, which is kind of the same with Malik Willis. And I, I think last year, Willis was just kind of asked to step in and fill Tannehill's shoes when we were in such a big, you know, slide. I think he did fine when we went into Kansas City, but he definitely looked like a rookie. And I think my expectation is that Levis is going to, you know, catch or surpass him. But I mean, I've been happy with what I've heard about Malik Willis because I was kind of with you. It, it seemed like for some reason, Brabel and, and Malik Willis didn't get along well. I don't know if there's anything to that, but it just seems like it was not a good fit. And he's kind of the remnant of our old GM. It was it was his pick. So you get a new GM coming in, they're going to want to make their stamps. So I think Malik's got a lot to prove and a lot to do to, to stick long term. How did you feel on draft night when the Titans came up in a, and grabbed uh uh, Levis to end his free fall. I kind of expected it. Um, I, I honestly thought that, you know, that's what we were going to try and do in the first round. I kind of expected them to try and trade back into the first round at the end of night one. Yep. Um, so when we traded up, you know, early in the second, I figured that was what it was going to be. Um, I mean, him putting mayonnaise in his coffee and <laughs> eating bananas with peels on it aside. I mean, yeah. it, it seems like, you know, the, the buzz around him, kind of makes sense right he came from a pro style offense but he is a project I think you know the Josh Allen comparisons are what I see a lot and hear a lot and I don't think that that's there I mean, that's I think great that's, sure that's the best case scenario right I, yeah. I don't envision that that's going to happen um but you know I'm, I'm happy that they're at least trying to fix the position and you know with Tannehill being as old as he is and kind of at the end of his contract they've got to find someone soon yeah, I mean, I do love the pick, even if he, you know, I, I, I love overdrafting quarterbacks. I think it's a strategy that, I mean, obviously, like it paid off for the Eagles, who had Carson Wentz looking like an MVP and still went after Hertz or, or Washington, who took Cousins in the same draft that they took RG3. Um, you know, I, I, I've said before, I think teams should take a quarterback in the first four rounds almost every year, if, if you know, unless there's nobody available. Um, and, yeah, maybe Willis works out. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Lovis works out. Maybe he doesn't. But you get more bites of that apple. And if a guy was at some point projected to be the number four overall pick and plummeted to the second round, okay, certainly he didn't deserve to be the number four pick. But enough people close enough to football at least thought that he had enough value that, you know, it seems as a second round pick, there's value there. Even if he, you know, as you said, he does disgusting things like uh, putting mayo. In. I mean, I'm against putting mayo in anything. I'm anti-mayo. So uh, mayo and coffee is just, you know, absurd. Um, yeah. 
Um, although I would bet, and I say this is somebody who hates mayo, I would bet if you actually tasted it and didn't know what it was, it wouldn't be so terrible. But it's it's the You're knowing totally right. what it is, which is sort of, you know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. disturbing part. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, Tannehill, you know, he's had such a weird career. He was like, he was basically a league average quarterback in Miami before his injury. He bottoms out, comes to you guys as a backup um, for two million bucks, comes out of nowhere, plays like an all pro for a season and a half, and then basically reverted back to league average again. Um, and, and, you know, now now he's, you know, one of the oldest quarterbacks in the league and he's, you know, getting worse three or four years in a row. And we look back at his career and it's like, you'll look at it, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now and I'll be like, what happened in 2019 and 20 that this, that this guy just came out of nowhere and was a stud. And I guess a big part of the answer is that Derrick Henry was the best running back in football those two years. But um, ultimately I, I think that the Titans, albeit, you know, you didn't have the ultimate playoff success you wanted. I think that the, you, you can't be upset with the Tannehill era, right. In terms of like, you know, what the value you thought coming in. And then even after you signed the contract, you know, he, he was pretty good. As I said, you guys have had a winning record for until last year, six years in a row, which not many teams can say, but you know, as you said, it's almost certainly his last year. He's getting paid 36 million this year. And then he's a free agent. And then Derek Henry, uh, you know, he's 30 and we know the track record of running backs. Once they hit 30 is not great. Uh, let alone one who's led the league in touches three of the last four years. And, um, you know, even, even a guy like Derrick Henry, who's like the largest running back we've seen since I don't know Christian Okoye or something. And like, he's like a Superman, but like, you know, at, at some point he's going to fall apart. And obviously the Titans, they, they took, um, uh, Spears in the third round here. So they're probably planning. So what's the plan? Is, is he going to be like the, the, the passing down back this year? I've seen, you know, him Spears has been playing out of the backfield, but also in the slot. So I think they've got a lot of plans for him. I mean, Spears is, in, in my mind, kind of a rental, right? With all the the knee issues, the lack of an ACL, <laughs> that whole situation was definitely something that pushed him further down the draft board. But I think he's going to be a solid player. I think he's going to be able to give Henry, you know, some rest, especially on third downs. But I do think that we're going to see them on the field together at some point um, each week, which I think is going to be cool. I, I think they're both, similar but different in a lot of ways i mean like you said henry is massive um and, and spears has his own style but it, it's interesting um because last year I, I would say henry lost a step watching some of the games and you know even just kind of looking back at highlights in the last couple of weeks you see that he's you know he doesn't have that breakaway speed that he had before he's yeah. much easier to get caught he's lost like a yard behind. per carry since that uh you know since his amazing 2020 season um, yeah and his fantasy stats are obviously still great because he carried the ball an absurd 350 times in a league <laughs> where, you know, no one carries it even 300 anymore. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he was uh, or the, not the, not him, but the Titans as a whole were 26th in the league in EPA per carry last year, which, you know, to be bottom eight when um, when, you know, almost all your carries went to Derrick Henry. That's that's obviously a concern. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is once Tannehill went out, you know, when we're throwing Malik yeah, Willis out there, the it's clear. Yeah, it's clear that we're not going to pass or Josh Dobbs off of you know the street pretty much. Yeah. Like teams know what you're doing when they already know what you're doing, and you know when you've got a quarterback that can't take advantage of it off a of play action or something like that, it's it it's tough. Yeah, I mean this was a team. Um, they were 32nd in neutral pace last year, 29th in passes per game, 28th in neutral pass rate. So yeah, this team is about as run heavy as a team gets. And so, you know, they're just, they're so reliant on Derrick Henry to be Derrick Henry or even, you know, even the Derrick Henry of last year, nowhere close to peak Derrick Henry, but still, you know, one of the better, better running backs in the league, but they, you know, that that's their whole offense because they weren't running. And maybe part of the answer is because Tannehill was out and because, you know, the receiver sucked. And so maybe they'll become a little more uh, pass happy this year. 
talk to me about your feelings about Nuke, about uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing. I'm excited for it. I think it in in conjunction with the fact that we've got a new offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, our offensive coordinator last year was terrible. Uh, he couldn't adjust on the fly. Like you said, I mean, our, our offense was, you know, kind of bottom of the league in a lot of categories, and it was always evident what we were going to do. I think, you know, with new blood coming in with our offensive coordinator, with Hopkins coming in, I think the offense is going to look a lot different. I was excited for Burks coming into the season. Um, I thought, you know, we could see him make a leap. And I think with Hopkins on the other side, I think those two are going to be a really great tandem. Um, I'm forever going to, you know, look back and view that AJ Brown trade as you know, kind of the thing that kind of ended the yeah. the Titans hope at being, you know, a Super Bowl contender. But I think this at least gives us an option for one year to get that passing game rolling again. Yeah. I, I obviously, I understand the excitement about Hopkins, but like, be honest with me, like, how were you feeling a couple of years ago when the Titans first got Julio Jones? That's exactly what I've said yeah. it, in our track. Or, or, or hold on, Julio Jones, Andre Randy Johnson. Moss, Andre or Randy Johnson, Moss. You know, yeah. like, even Robert Woods. Just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that I was excited for them too. Um, yeah. And there is that fear. Um, you know, maybe we're just a retirement home for yeah you know, all the same wide receivers and we buy it on it every time i am hopeful that you know hopkins was able to show enough last year that it, it looks like he still has something in the tank and what we're seeing at camp is very different with julio it was you know injury after injury he wasn't out there um during camp and it seems like hopkins is there and actually you know making a t- connection with Tannehill. so i'm optimistic but at the end of the season if, if he's bad you know i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna get excited next time we sign one of these old receivers when Justin Jefferson's been in the league for 15 years or whatever. And we sign him at the end of his career. Yeah. Don't, don't have me on here saying that he's going to be good. Remember this moment. It it was shocking to me um, how bad immediately Julio was in Tennessee because he had come off. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers Uh, in 2019 for Atlanta. He has 99 catches for 1400 yards, second team, all pro. Uh, 2020 for Atlanta, he only played half a season, but in half a season, he had 50 catches for 770 yards, which is almost the exact same pace. Um, You know, again, he missed half the season and then he comes to the Titans and just immediately, just, you know, immediately terrible Hopkins uh, to be fair is one year younger than John, than, um, than Julio was then. And obviously Andre Johnson and Randy Moss were even older uh, when the Titans got them. But yeah, but as you said, it's become like every hall of fame receiver comes and like has a cup of coffee with the Titans at the end. And these are guys who obviously fans are always going to get excited about, but, um, you know, I guess the fact that he didn't sign until August or end of July, whatever it was, and that, like, you know, this is the best he could do, I, I guess, says a little bit about how the league values him. I, I wonder yeah. if people, you know, obviously he had the suspension to start last season. But, like, my the biggest question for this team, because, you know, you talked maybe with, with, with him and Traylon Burks, maybe you have a couple of decent receivers and, may, and maybe Tannehill stays healthy. But the O-line is absolutely terrible. I mean, they, they were one of the worst in the league last year, 29th and adjusted sack rate. And I think they're worse this year. Like Nate Davis and, and Taylor Lewan are both gone. And, and obviously if they were good, they would have been 29th in the league last year. But the guys they replaced with, like like Andre Dillard was a complete bust in Philly. And this was like yeah. the big acquisition for the O-line. Yeah. And and that's, I think, my biggest worry. Um, I think the one, one or two series that they were in against Chicago, they looked okay. But of course that's preseason, right? And we, you know, spent our first round pick on, Stronsky, I think is how we pronounce his name. Um, and, yeah. you know, there's 
talk about whether you know he's tackle or guard. Is he a or guard whatever. or a tackle? And, yeah. Or does yeah, he take and, one and Diller take the other? Is that how it works? That that's what it seems like. Um, but it doesn't seem like we've kind of got this figured out. I know we had you know someone come in. I don't remember their name at this point, but it was someone they brought in to try and fix the offensive line. Kept causing fights at camp and you know, <laughs> cut him immediately. So like this this unit is in shambles. Um, so it could just be another one of those seasons where we've got a Tannehill injury early. Tannehill injury early because he you know was just getting knocked down so much. But I'm scared of it. I'm scared of our, our offensive line on a team that's got a lot of question marks. It, that's the biggest one for me. Yeah, and then uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. He was supposed to be the starting right tackle, right? But but he's suspended for for gambling, right? Yep, and I think that's you know gonna make for a first chunk of the season where that entire half of the line is is struggling. Um, it, it seemed like with Skronsky, it was you know he's going to be a guard because we had Petit Frere as the tackle, but without him, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's switch to the defense for a second. And when you look at this team, they almost remind me of like an old school team from the 70s. Or, or I don't know if you go that far. Maybe like uh, the Vikings of the early Brad Childress years when the offense was like Adrian Peterson. And, and then that was about it. And the defense was like the Williams wall. But then, you know, shutting down the run. But 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 very bad after that. Um, obviously Jeffrey Simmons, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. You just gave him a big bag. Um, Titans had far and away the best run defense in the league last year, but number one versus the run number 32 versus the pass. And so that means that overall they were a below average defense since obviously, you know, passing defense is much more important. Um, but on the other hand, they also had more injuries on their defense than any team in the league last year. So is that sort of what you're relying on? Well, we were injured last year and, and re- reversion to the mean with injury luck, and this will be a better defense. I think so. I think we've been able to kind of solidify our secondary a little bit more. Um, I mean, Kevin Byard's always back there. He's solid, but, you know, as a safety, there's so much he can do uh, trying to cover the whole field. But then I think the big thing that's going to help us is Harold Landry coming back. We signed Mm -hmm. him to um, a big contract last off season and he pretty much immediately tore his ACL in camp. So didn't get to see him at all. I think with him and Simmons on the field at the same time, it's, you know, in, in some ways, it seems like that's where the league is going to some extent, right? If you can rush the passer, that's kind of where your pass defense kind of starts. Yeah. And I think that's going to be hugely beneficial for us. Our, our secondary is going to be helped by, you know, linebackers and, and our defensive line really being healthy, hopefully, if we can stay healthy. But injuries have been a huge thing for this team. 
for years. It, it almost seems like since Brable took over, no idea what's going on in that building, but you know, injuries everywhere seem to derail our season. I know the COVID year, it was like we had the most players used in a season and it just seems like it gets worse every single year. So hopefully they figured that out. Yeah. In 2021, uh, Landry had 12 sacks, uh, 22 quarterback hits, 14 tackles for loss. And then, as you said, misses the whole year last year. So, so adding him and assuming he can get back to what he was would, would be a huge addition after Simmons and Landry and Byard, who, who's like the, who's the fourth best player on this defense. That's a tough one. Um, I feel like we've got some young guys in our secondary. Uh, I, I find it hard to, to put any of them in there, but, you know, McCreary and, and Molden may, you know, try and make a push for that. Uh, Caleb Farley was drafted to be, you know, great. He was drafted in the first round and it's been nothing but injuries. Um, and he's hurt think, right now, right? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us have kind of given up on him, but if he can ever get healthy, then you know maybe he shows, you know, some of that promise, but it's hard to really pinpoint who that fourth best person is going to be. I think our defense, you know, somehow Vrabel is able to get them to play as a unit all moving in the same direction. Um, And I think part of the reason that they've been good is coaching. And and I think that's part of this philosophy, right? Is, you know, it doesn't matter who the guys are out there. It's more about, you know, if, if they're tactically sound and they're, you know, doing everything they should be doing, the defense should be good. So, I feel like that's a cop-out answer. <laughs> I'm just going to say, hopefully the unit itself can tell us who that fourth person, fourth best person is going to be. And it might change week to week. Yeah. And in their three, four defense, uh, Rand Carthen, the new uh, GM who came from San Francisco, he brought two linebackers with him, Arden Key and Aziz Al-Shair. And I think they're both, they're both going to be starting, right? I think so. Um, that's, you know, everything that I've heard. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of positive you know, talk about key, um, which is great. And I think he can really, you know, help bolster the defense. Uh, I don't think that, you know, they're going to be world breakers by any means, but I think they're going to fit in and, and slide into that defense nicely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he wasn't a starter. In, uh, well, actually, he was in Jacksonville last year, not San Francisco. Yeah, he was so, in Jacksonville. Um, yeah. So there's the rivalry there. That. Okay, I see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he'll show up for those Jacksonville games, try and, you know, stop Trevor Lawrence. That'll be hopefully helpful. Uh, since it seems yeah. like everyone's kind of given the division to them at this point. But. Yeah. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously he's the biggest threat in this division. The, we talked about the 32nd ranked uh, pass defense last year. And you said, you know, having Landry back pressuring the quarterback, um, you know, maybe a little bit from uh, from key as well will help, but these corners, um, Sean Murphy, bunting Christian Fulton, um, you know, Farley, you mentioned Roger McCrary, like uh, who do you, who do you have confidence in at the cornerback position on this team? seems like there's a lot of, you know, great stuff coming out about Fulton and McCreary. Um, and some of it may just be coach speak, uh, but it does seem like they're, you know, matching up against some of the receivers and in, in camp pretty well. So I would say those two, McCreary and Fulton, um, it seems like they're, you know, doing okay <laughs> against Burks and Hopkins. So I don't know what that says, right, with how bad our receivers are last year and all the questions around whether, you know, Hopkins is – as good as he once was. So, you know, maybe the fact that they're matching up well against them bodes poorly for our offense, but I choose to be optimistic and, and say that I think that they're, they're at least taking a step and some of the reps they're getting against these receivers are, are going to be helpful during the season. 
Who do you think is going to be the, um, you know, Skaronsky obviously is, they're hoping that he's going to start every game. And so he would be the answer, but who's going to be the second most impactful rookie on this team this year? I, as much as I hate to say it, I think Will Levis, I think our season goes one of two ways. Um, I think, you know, we're fighting for the division or, we're not, but I think Levis is going to pay, play a role no matter what. I, I don't see Tannehill being able to stay healthy long-term. Um, and I do think that at some point during the season, Levis is going to have to come in and he's going to have to do something. <laughs> and and I think by then, hopefully he's ready to start and, and we see some, you know, positive improvements coming from him. So you do think by the time Tannehill is not playing a game that it'll be Levis and not Willis who gets the next crack at it. I do. I, yeah. I, I hope that, you know, Willis finds a team. <laughs> I think he's great. I, I, but all the things that I hear, you know, Rabel and the coaches say, um, it, it seems like Willis starting against the bears was more of a, let's push Will Levis. Let's show him that, you know, just being the second round pick is something that he's got to earn and it's not just going to be given to him. It just seems like that's the way this regime kind of operates. So I, I do think that if Tannehill were to go down, it would, it would be lettuce. Talking about uh, guys who were like given a chance in that first preseason game. Uh, Terrell Williams, obviously, uh, you know, a big deal was made that he was uh, uh, variable gave him the opportunity to be the head coach in the preseason game to get some attention. It just seemed like another massive masterful move by a guy in Vrabel who has like an almost universally positive approval rating. Everybody seems to love this guy. And I think it's it's part of the reason that like the floor for this team is is very high. Um if, obviously also the fact that their division sucks. Like, like if Trevor Lawrence <laughs> were to get injured tomorrow, the Titans wouldn't have to be the favorites to win the division, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Texans aren't doing anything. Yeah. And unless Richardson shows up in Indy and is, you know, ready to start day one, which I don't think is gonna happen, then yeah. I think it's Tennessee. Yeah. Um you know, uh, the, the, the a lot has been made about how insanely stacked the AFC is this year, and that's true, but not the AFC South. The Titans are actually one of the five easiest schedules in the league, even though they're in the AFC. And again, that's because uh, their division sucks, and also you get to play the NFC South, and that division sucks. And it's, you know, part of, the, I guess, the, the positive thing that came out of not winning the division last year, right? We don't have to play Kansas City. We yeah. don't have to play Buffalo. We get we get the second-place teams. Um from those divisions so that that's going to help us yeah houston has the four and a half total which is by two games oh no excuse me arizona has uh four and a half but uh houston has six and a half the colts have six and a half so they're tied with uh after the cardinals with the with the lowest total um and then uh the titans are only one ahead of that but you know seven and a half and six and a half that's a big difference and then obviously the jaguars all the way up at nine and a half but yeah trevor lawrence goes down and and i don't you know so much so much of the optimism for the Jaguars, I think, is built around <laughs> Trevor Lawrence and assuming that he's yeah. going to take the next step. And yeah, obviously, we we, we hope for only health for everybody. But behind him, who is it? It's CJ Beathard, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Th this yeah, the Jaguars, if something happened to Lawrence, I think the Titans would still be the favorites in this division again, which would be kind of incredible. Let's play some schedule game and see, um, you know, assuming health for everybody, see how, how things go, see if you can. um I mean, so what, what, what's the goal this year is the goal to try and like sneak out the division or, I mean, do you think you have a chance at the wild card? I think the goal is the division. Um, I'm not going to give it to the Jags. I, I don't want to think that way. I mean, we've mm -hmm. been bullied in this division by Peyton Manning and 
Andrew Luck for years. I don't want it to go to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. I, I just don't want to believe that that's the world we live in. So I, I'm going to say division and let's try and keep it one more year and then see what happens after that. All right. So week one, you start in the NFC South at New Orleans. Derek Carr's debut in gold. What happens in that game? I'm going to go with the win. I think the Kamara suspension helps us there, even if he has lost a step. Okay, so big win on the road. Start 1-0. and uh, Come home, face the Chargers. It's a loss. <laughs> that yeah, gonna the be tough. the, the early schedule is pretty tough. Then you go add Cleveland week three. I feel like that's one where we've got to win it. Uh, with Like you said, the, the early schedule is tough. So I'll, I'll say a win in Cleveland. Oh, wow. So two big road wins to start the season and then come home and face the Bengals in week four. It's a loss. All right. So Burns undefeated on the road. No wins at home. Does that keep going in week five at Indy? I, I think we win. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So three and two with three road wins early. Then you go to London. This game's in London, right? Against the Ravens in week six. Yep. Okay. I think that's so, a loss. All right. So even though it's in London, it counts as a home game. So, all right. So you're now three and oh on the road, <laughs> oh and three at home. You have the you have the post London buy, and you come home and face the Falcons in Week Eight. I think that'll be a win. It'll be a, a fun matchup with Arthur Smith coming. Back. All right, so back over five hundred, four and three. Then you go at Pittsburgh short week Thursday night football. Uh short weeks. I, I feel like I've got a trust variable. I'll, I'll take a win there. Oh, so five and three, riding high. And then you go to Florida at Tampa, and then at Jacksonville. I think we'll split. I think we'll beat Tampa and then lose to Jacksonville. Wow, so you get all the way up to six and three, and then you're facing the Jaguars. That's got to be a game, I assume, you know, the Jaguars are, you know, you're probably, if you're not in first place in the division, you would certainly be in first place in the division after that game if you were to win. So that'll be a huge game uh, in week 11 against Jacksonville. But you have it as a loss. You fall to six and four, and then you come home for a homestand against the Panthers and the Colts. I think both of those are wins. Okay, so eight and four. So Okay, so if you're eight and four, you're very much in the wild card race. Yep. I think so. And and I think it goes back to, you know, seven and three last year, that seven game slide happened, but I do think that that's more the truth of this team. So I think eight and four makes sense. Okay. So, um, but because from the doom and gloom of the way, the first 25 minutes of this podcast, when you say, yeah, it's the end of an era and Tannehill is going to be done. And the, you know, the offensive line sucks and everybody sucks. And, and all of a sudden you're, you're eight and four. It's like quite a dramatic reversal from, I thought you were going to have this team going like six and 11 or something like that. No, I, I think with Vrabel as the coach, that's the kind of thing that pushes me towards always being a little more optimistic, even if, you know, the, the team <laughs> doesn't warrant it. Maybe that's just me, you know, falling into a trap of being disappointed this season, but it, I think that's what happens. All right. So you're eight and four. You play at Miami, which is your third game in Florida in a month. This one's on Monday yeah. Night Football. And I think we lose that one. All right, so you dropped eight and five, but you're eight and five, and you still haven't faced Houston once. So that that's gotta you know give you a good feelings. Uh, you play <laughs> Houston for the first time in week fifteen. I think that's a win, unless All Stroud right. is you know otherworldly. Okay, nine and five, and then you face the the Seahawks in week sixteen. I think that's a loss. Okay, nine and six, and then you go at Houston. Can you get the Houston sweep? Yeah, I think we sweep Houston. Okay, so you're ten and six. You're facing the Jaguars in week 18. Is this for the division like it was last year in week 18? I feel like it's got to be. <laughs> That's a story that that makes sense. I think it's for the division, and I think we're able to pull it out. I think it's going to be one of those close games. Big storyline with it, but I think the Titans find a way to make it happen. 
okay. So all the doom and gloom, and and, and you have this team winning eleven games, which would uh, so you think that you're 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 locked on the over at seven and a half. No yeah, question for you. Definitely locked. <laughs> I would smash that all day. I think the the Titans are you know kind of overlooked. Um, with well, reasons, as I said, right? always, look, I mean, never higher than twelve in our preseason power rankings ever. So. Yeah, and and when we do see them, you know, go up in some of the you know ESPN power rankings, all of that, we fall quickly because we show our true colors, but we're always in the thick of it. And I think good coaching brings us through again. So you have this team at 11 and six winning the division, hosting a playoff game against, I don't know, the Ravens or the jets or the dolphins or the chargers or the chiefs or whoever it is. Who's the starting quarterback in that game? Is it Tannehill? Is it Levis Malik? I think it's, I think it's Josh Tannehill. Tops. <laughs> it is. Tannehill. I hope it's not. So you Josh think Tannehill is going to get injured, but he's going to come back and he's gonna be ready for the playoffs again. I think so. Uh, I, I don't see Levis doing enough to win the job, especially if we're in, you know, playoff contention. I think they bring Tannehill back, um, but it will be good experience. And I think Levis, you know, pulls out some wins that I wish we would have gotten from Malik or, or Dobbs last year. Okay, so you're 11 and six. You have a healthy Tannehill in January, hosting a playoff game. Um, maybe, maybe a road dog if you're playing the top wild card there. I don't know, but um, or maybe you're maybe you're not even the four seed if you have 11 wins because some of those other teams are going to beat each other up in some of those deeper divisions. Um, yeah. you lost your first playoff game in both 2021 and 2020. <laughs> are you are you predicting a playoff win here? I would say playoff exit. I, I think okay. once we get into you know those games with like you said, Baltimore Jets, whoever it is, I think we just don't match up well with them in January. Okay, but um, I mean, that I think that would have to be considered a successful season to, to win 11 games with this team. And then what happens at the end of the season? Is, is Does Derrick Henry leave? Does Tannehill leave? They led, you to, they led you to the playoffs for the fourth time in five years. I feel like they've got to let Tannehill leave. Uh, I think the Henry question is kind of up in the air. It, it, it's all going to come down to money, right? And it seems like Henry is kind of outspoken for running backs getting paid, but I think he also understands the worth and he just wants to kind of get in there and, and work. I could see them bringing him back if, if he's willing to take a lower salary, but it's more likely than not that he's going to go somewhere and get a one-year deal for eight, nine million, whatever, if he can, and call it good. Yeah, so yeah, he's a free agent also at the end of this year. They will have a $4.7 million. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.